the first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. They're going to hold on to everything the disease steals away. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen by funding research, advancing public policy, and spurring scientific breakthroughs. And by providing local support to those living with the disease and their caregivers, we're easing the burden until we accomplish our goal. But we won't get there without you. Visit alz.org to join the fight. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast, part of the Fantrax family. My name is Mung, and of course you can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And uh, unfortunately, Los is traveling this week, and he's unable to be here. Uh, so you have me, Super Producer Dan. Um, how are you doing, Mung? Doing okay. I uh, need to work off some calories. I'm pretty sure I gained about five pounds over Thanksgiving weekend, but that's uh, pretty par for the course. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. You know, lots of food, lots of football. You know, pretty much what I'm sure everyone who's listening to this right now did as well. Yeah, and I I will say I accurately predicted that I was in and out of that uh, Buffalo-New Orleans game with a food coma, so uh, I had to go back and watch some of that after the fact. But uh, real quick, uh, there are lots of talk about this week, but before we get into all that, some admin business while Los is away. Uh, we did go one and one with our bets from last week with Lamar Jackson barely outscoring Cam Newton despite both playing awful. And then Higgins blew up for a monster performance over Chenault. And of course, we're still dead even in our pickums. Uh, Los accurately called the Packers over the Rams, unfortunately, and I called the Giants over the Eagles. So we're still tied there. And tonight, Dan, uh, you're going to be making your pick as well, in addition to me and uh, the one that Los mailed in, right? Yeah, but I, I just want to go back. You said that you, you're blaming you falling asleep during uh, the, the New Orleans game. On the food or the fact that that game was just boring? Uh, probably a bit of both. It was it was quite a blowout. So uh, I think both worked in conjunction there. But uh, hopefully the Week 13 matchups will be a little bit more fun. Uh, certainly hope so. But uh, Thursday night uh, is going to be kind of crazy due to COVID. But before we get into all that, we want to talk to you real quick about Thrive Fantasy. Thrive offers DFS-style contests on player props. It's super easy. You just pick 10 out of 20 player props for the week, with each one getting assigned a fantasy point total for the over and under, based on how likely the outcome is. The more that you get right, the bigger the payout. Thrive Fantasy has over $100,000 in weekly prizes, including their Sunday contest where first place wins $20,000. Sign up now with our promo code FFA and you'll receive an instant 100% deposit match of up to $100 for your first deposit, minimum $10. Check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, or you can fi find it at thrivefantasy.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-E fantasy.com. Kicking off the week 13 slate, we've got the Dallas Cowboys at the New Orleans Saints. 
And uh, yeah, the COVID issues are concerning here. Mike McCarthy, we know, is going to be out along with about six or seven uh, assistant coaches, it sounds like, including the Cowboys offensive line coach and their assistant offensive line coach. Uh, a lot going on here uh, may impact this game a little bit more than people think. Uh, it's already a short week with the team playing on Thursday, even though they played last Thursday. Uh, technically, they have a full week, but without their head coach here over the next couple days. And then, of course, it is good news that it sounds like CeeDee Lamb should be back. He was practicing today. Um, Zeke as well. And Amari Cooper is expected to come back from the COVID IR as well. I heard something that Zeke was, even though he's coming back, he's, he said he was playing through the pain. Um, I don't know if you heard that too. Um, I don't know. That just could be something to look at. Maybe, maybe we see um, a few fewer carries from him. But who knows, you know? Yeah, I, I would expect Tony Pollard's uh, participation here to be increased. Should see a few more touches. Uh, we heard reports, I think late last week, that maybe the Cowboys would sit Zeke. But instead, it sounds like he is going to play through this knee issue that's been bothering him for a few weeks for now. Uh, and certainly, it'd be hard to bench him. I can't imagine you have better running back options. But probably consider him more of an RB2 for the time I mean, being. There's, there's no chance you have better running back options based on the amount of injuries, <laughs> unless you have all of the backups, the handcuffs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, but I mean, honestly, even if you have Pollard, I don't know that you're playing Pollard over Zeke. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, you're not playing Pollard over Zeke unless he's not playing, but like, I don't know if you, if you have like Madison or yeah, I don't know, I could, I could anybody else. <laughs> Yeah, Madison, but I mean, I would still start Elliott over Hubbard. Um, we'll, we'll get to that game, but yeah, I mean, you're not benching Elliott unless you have some really, really good options. Uh, on the Saints side here, uh, it, it'll be interesting with Taysom Hill under center. We'll talk about him. Uh, if you need quarterback help, uh, I do think his rushing upside gives him, uh, you know, credence to potentially finish as a QB1 this week. What do you think? I don't know about that because... <sighs> You'd think that if they had more faith in him, that they would have just been playing him more. Like, like, like the fact that he's playing right now shows me more that they have less faith in Simeon and more faith. I guess not. I guess more faith in in Hill. Just they're like, maybe his rushing upside is just better than what Simeon is giving them. You know? Yeah, and, and I read that to be more. I, it was reported that Hill was dealing with a foot issue. Um, so I think it might have partially been health as well, why they were starting Simeon instead. Uh, but certainly, you know, hopefully you don't have to start Hill this first week. Um, but at the same time, you know, even if he's average, below average as a passer, we've seen that he can just vulture some goal line touches and run into touchdowns and, you know, get you 17, 18 fantasy points. Uh, it is worth noting, too, that both Kamara and Ingram we're practicing both yesterday and today, so it does sound like both running backs will be healthy. I think this could be a heavy dose of the ground game uh, in an effort to keep the Dallas offense off the field as much as they can. I completely agree with that. I don't think they're going to have any other choice but to run the ball 80% of the time. Yeah, I mean, especially, you know, they lost Adam Troutman last week. It's hard to trust any of these receivers in fantasy right now. Oh, don't don't play any of them. Yeah, especially with Hill, we'll see what his you know target tendencies seem like after this week. Uh, Reevaluate at that point, but 
overall, you know, this is probably one of the toughest games this week to pick. And I'm actually going New Orleans here at home. It's tough to trust Dallas. I I know that Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are both coming back this week. But at the same time, they're missing a lot of their coaching staff for this game. Um, That does make an impact, especially on a short week like this with the team playing on Thursday night. And and really, it's enough of a toss-up where I'm going to lean the home team here. I'm going to go Dallas. I don't think the coaching is going to mean that much, at least as much as you imply that it will. Um, I mean, really, I could just see this being an extremely low-scoring game. You know, like 10 to 13 or something. Yeah, and, you know, Dak Prescott has been up and down this year. Um, I wouldn't bench him, but, again, it kind of depends on your options. Uh, It's tough. I mean, this Dallas offense, remember when we came into the year and we thought they were going to be a top three offense for sure, right? Especially after what we saw from them against Tampa Bay in week one. Yeah, but they also got injured kind of right away. Yeah, and... Man, it's tough. I mean, this is just a game where, and like you said, it could be an ugly, <laughs> ugly slugfest on both sides here. But it does sound like Los agrees with you. Uh, the the picks that he sent me, he is taking Dallas as well. So we'll see about that one. Hopefully, I can make up a game on him. Yeah, I just don't think like I I know you said this earlier, but like I don't I don't think you bench any of the studs on Dallas just because you think it's gonna be a low scoring game. I think the upside is still there, and Unless you have, like, way better options, which you probably don't. I think you just have to play them. Like, it, It's tough. Cooper is a toss-up for me because he does play outside more, could see a lot of Lattimore, and we don't really know what his conditioning is like coming off of the COVID IR. Um, we know that that can affect endurance, stuff like that. So I, I think he's more of a wide receiver three this week. Uh, I think he's he's got a fairly low floor, but the ceiling's always there, as we know. Right. All right. Uh, let's move on to the Sunday noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern slate, starting with the Tampa Bay Bucks at the Atlanta Falcons. Four touchdowns for four Tutty Lenny. Um, man, that was a crazy game. Certainly, you're starting him again here against Atlanta. In terms of the receivers, it was a down game for them, but certainly you're not benching Evans or Godwin. And it sounds like there's a chance that Antonio Brown could be back here as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot to say about Tampa. You're starting all those guys. Oh, yeah, you definitely start them. Um, the bigger question here, I think, is Atlanta. You know, their their offense is and runs through Corderell Patterson, and that is literally it at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know that you can trust anybody outside of Patterson. Maybe somebody else in the, on the wide receivers, uh, you know, breaks free a long touchdown but your guess is as good as mine who uh the, the Buccaneers secondary is getting a little bit healthier we saw them create some turnovers against Carson Wentz and the Colts this past Sunday but in terms of fantasy it's really just Patterson like you said yeah I don't think there's really much more to say about this all right let's not waste any time uh, all three of us are taking the Bucks here so not a whole lot to debate Moving on to Arizona and at Chicago. And the big news, I think, is Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins both expected to be back this week coming off the bye. Both have gotten about four to five weeks of rest. Uh, Murray with his high ankle sprain and then DeAndre Hopkins with that hamstring strain. And really, you know, Jalen Johnson has been playing well for Chicago in the secondary. 
but the rest of the cornerbacks, the rest of the secondary has been awful. And I think this might be a sneaky good game for AJ Green because I do think that Johnson can match up on Hopkins here, assuming that he's back. And that could leave Green uh, free for some big down downfield plays on the other side. What are your thoughts? Oh, for sure. It's, uh, God, what's his name? I can't think of it right now. But when he's targeted, as the, I, it, this might be a couple weeks old, but I'm pretty sure quarterbacks have a perfect passer rating. But I think he was, what, did, did you look it up? Do you have his name? Yeah, forgot, Kendall I, Vildor. Yeah, but I think they, <laughs> they benched him. I don't think he started the last game. Uh, Xavier Crawford, you mean? Did they start Xavier Crawford? Uh, it's, it's him and Artie Burns on the outside, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm talking about Vildor. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was the, the former starter, I think, up until this week. And when he was targeted, he was literally the worst cornerback in the league. Yeah, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's not good. I'll tell you that much. Having said that, Jalen Johnson on the other side has been one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So, I don't know. Yeah, he's been a standout for the Bears. Um, but, you know, all that being said, it's hard to see, or excuse me, it's hard to know if Murray and Hopkins are truly 100%, but I do think that they uh, were smartly cautious with them, and I'm trusting them in lineups. And really, uh, you know, I'm starting I'm starting him, Green, and uh, Christian Kirk probably as a flex if you need it. I guess the only thing I would worry about is is that Chicago front seven potentially getting to Murray early and causing another problem, like re-aggravating an injury or something. Yeah, hopefully not. We saw last year that, you know, sometimes his mobility can be an issue or where he's hesitant to run, but uh, certainly can't bench him in this matchup. Uh, on the other side here for the Bears, uh, it sounds like this could be another Andy Dalton start uh, with Justin Field coming back from the fractured ribs. It doesn't sound serious, but he could need another week or two. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> Man, what a disappointment with Allen Robinson this year. We'll see if he's able to play with the hamstring injury. But really, right now, I, it's probably just Mooney and David Montgomery. Yeah, I would agree with that. I can't, I can't think of anyone else who you would even bother thinking about starting. I mean, maybe there's some upside for Cole Komet, but then, you know, but Jimmy who, Graham comes in. I mean, what are you playing in, like... Uh, I like a two tight end league where you have to start two, like that, that doesn't even exist. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, like, I, I do have one two tight end league, but no, I'm not starting commit in normal formats. Right. That, like there's 12 better tight ends right now. Yeah. Um, I think we're all taking Arizona here. Is yep. that right? Yep. Alrighty. Let's move on then to the LA chargers at the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, man, the chargers have really been struggling. Uh, I, I, was actually texting Los on Sunday. Uh, I don't know if he wants people to know this, but he did take the Chargers as his survivor pick, which I had advised against. Uh, he was he was between them and Baltimore, and I advised Baltimore, and here we are. But uh, I won't I won't rub his nose in it, especially because he's not here tonight. Uh, but I don't know that there's a whole lot to say. You're starting Allen and Eckler, uh, maybe Williams as well as a flex. Um, Justin Herbert, you're probably starting as well. Yeah, Mike Williams, man, his first, what, was it five games? He was, like, wide receiver five or something. And then since then, he's been, like, wide receiver probably in, like, 30 to 40s. He's just falling down to earth. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely had a rough patch of games, first with that knee injury, and then he's faced uh, some tough coverage. But honestly, I think I've talked about this before, but 
I think Williams is still a buy, depending on the price. Uh, just looking at his fantasy playoff schedule, he does get Kansas City in Week 15, Houston in Week 16, and then you know tough against Denver in Week 17. We just saw him struggle there. But all in all, I, I do think that he could have some very nice games those first two fantasy playoff matchups. I mean, it's possible. It's just I don't know. It's hard to. It fantasy is uh, what have you been? What have you done for me lately? Kind of mindset usually. And uh, it's it's not trending in that good direction, you know? Yeah, I, I'm just saying if you can, you know, if people are super down on him, if you can flip, I don't know, if how realistic maybe this is. Uh, Brandon Cooks, another disappointing guy. Uh, maybe you can flip Cooks for Williams. I'd still prefer Williams for the rest of the season. Um, well, he's on a better team. Right, and then also, you know, Kadarius Toney, uh, Rondell Moore after that big game a couple weeks ago before their bye, if you can flip Moore. Uh, for Williams, that's definitely something I would try to do if you think that league mate is, you know, really high on more because of that one game. Yeah, I don't know. You know? All right. <laughs> On the other side here, scintillating analysis as always. Sorry, I, didn't, I, just, I got... You, you know what I think. No, I, I do. I do. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, on the Bengals side here, Joe Burrow surprisingly has had uh, some up and down games this season. Mostly because the Bengals are just really relying on their run game. And, of course, Mixon is one of the few elite running backs still healthy. Some knock on wood, he and Jonathan Taylor will stay, you know, bubble wrapped up. Uh, they won't have any issues down the stretch here. Uh, and then Jamar Chase has had a, had a few quiet games now in a row. And I think defenses are really starting to take him seriously, not giving him that single coverage on the outside. And... You know, based on the strengths of the Chargers defense, I would expect this to be another big mix in game and maybe a little bit quieter for Chase and Higgins here. I don't know. It seems to be like, who do you want to beat you when it comes to Cincinnati? Do you want Mixon to beat you or do you want Chase to beat you? Because that's it seems like they're kind of alternating games. Yeah, and really, I mean, just based on how bad the Chargers run defense is, I really do think this is still a mix in game. So, you know, Depending on your options, you're not necessarily benching Chase, um, but I don't think it's crazy. Uh, you know, it's just the fact that, again, they prefer to, quote-unquote, establish the run in quite a few games if they can. Well, if you have Chase, you probably drafted him in a place where you have other options. If yeah, you think like about it, you, sixth, you seventh round. Right, you weren't drafting him high enough, so you should still have, I mean, assuming you didn't trade them away, or you ended up with, like, Allen Robinson. Uh you should have, you know, a couple viable wide receivers ready to go if you did want to bench him. Hopefully. Um, you know, let let's let's take a look here. We're uh we're breezing through these matchups more than usual, so let's let's do a would you rather. How about that? Okay. Let's scroll down here. Uh Jamar Chase against the Chargers or Brandon Ayuk at Seattle this week? I think I'd play Ayuk. Okay. Uh, I like that matchup more, and Debo's hurt. Yep. Uh, I I think I agree. Um, Jamar Chase or Marquise Brown against Pittsburgh? Oh, man. You're just like, yeah, I think I'd play Hollywood over over him, too. That's a, just a good, great matchup, too. I think so. I, I think I'm hitting the sweet spot here with the, the names I'm picking. Um, what about Michael Pittman? He's had a couple down games now, but a, a great matchup at Houston this week. What do you think about that? I don't know if I would there. I just, uh, I just don't, I, I don't trust Pittsburgh. 
You mean indie? I'm sorry. I don't trust indie. Yeah, I mean, it's possible it could be just a huge Jonathan Taylor game, but I do think Pittman will get open for one or two big chunk plays. Uh, I, I might lean Pittman here. It, it's pretty crazy. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's move up to, let's say, Deontay Johnson. Well, this is where you already know my opinion. Johnson. I don't trust Pittsburgh. Oh, all right. I mean, Johnson's seen double-digit targets, though, in, in most of the game, so I think I actually am going Johnson here. Um, Jalen Waddle against the Giants. Oh, I'm, I would absolutely play Waddle. I, I think he's, like, going to be top 10 wide receiver the rest of the season, maybe even top five. Yeah, he's been, he's been hyper-targeted. I, I they don't... have a great playoff schedule, too. Um, now, question. Is your answer still Waddle if Will Fuller and Devontae Parker are back? Hmm, I think I would still roll the dice. Okay. Yeah, and then, you know, then we're getting into that range where I think you're clearly playing guys like Godwin and Thielen over Chase right now in their respective matchups here. So, all right, let's move on then. Uh, I am taking the Bengals at home. I am too. And Los will sweep it here. Uh, next game up, Minnesota. At Detroit, of course, the big news, Dalvin Cook with that shoulder injury. Sounds like he's going to be out for at least two to three weeks, potentially more. Uh, right now, it's going to be Alexander Madison, and then maybe we see a little bit of Kenny Nwangu as well. Uh, of course, he's already made two kickoff return touchdowns this year. Um, certainly, we can see that explosiveness. I think he's worth a pickup in deeper leagues. Uh, of course, Madison is who you're going to be starting. Nwangwu, you're only starting as a boomer bust, what, flex RB4, uh, hoping for that upside. And then, you know, other than that, I, I do think you're starting everybody else, Cousins, uh, Jefferson, and Thielen, of course. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Detroit here, DeAndre Swift, of course, he had a shoulder injury on Thanksgiving. Doesn't sound too serious, but it, it could keep him out for a week uh, based on Dan Campbell's comments earlier today. So Jamal Williams enters that flex back end RB2 conversation. And then, you know, we saw Josh Reynolds hit a, a long touchdown against the Bears, but I don't know that you're trusting him against Minnesota, even with their issues in the secondary. It, it's really just Hawkinson and uh, Jamal Williams. Yeah, depending on what ends up with happening with Swift, I think that's really the only thing you can do. Yeah, and we were talking about this one a little bit before we started recording, Dan, and you and I both uh, are leaning the Vikings here, uh, but given how bad the Vikings' run defense is, how bad their secondary has been, I don't think it would be that shocking if Detroit pulled off an upset at home this week. Detroit, God, it's just Detroit is having the most Detroit season ever. Uh, they are better than they are, and then their record shows. Like, they played a couple good teams close, and they got screwed out of a couple wins. They could, they could win this game. It's a, you know, a divisional matchup. They're hungry for a, for a win. I could see it happening, but they've gotten screwed so many times that I just can't confidently pick them. Yeah, and that's what you and I were saying, right? We, we can't pick Detroit, but we could see it happening. Like... I don't know. I feel like people in like survivor pools are targeting, or at least they have been targeting Detroit being like, Oh, whoever's playing Detroit is who I'm going to pick. Like, I think we're at the point of the season where you just got to like, not, not rely on that. 
So, so this is where upsets happen. Slight uh, off-topic side note here. I'm not actually in any survivor pools this year, but what happens with a tie? You're safe, right? Because they weren't, you know, technically the team didn't it lose. It depends on the rules. Okay, gotcha. So it's different based on the, the league that you're I in? I think if it's a tie, it's, you're safe, but I'm not 100% sure. And, and, and I guess you would establish that rule, you know. Right, whoever is organizing it hopefully has details, uh, you know, written out beforehand. But, okay, Los will take Minnesota here as well. Uh, seems like we're in agreement with a lot of this week's game, so we'll move on to the New York Giants at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we saw Saquon Barkley finally back, uh, busted a big run. That's prime Saquon. Hopefully he'll continue to stay healthy and his workload will continue inching upward. Um, and then, you know, a lot really depends on Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard. Both of the Giants wide receivers are out with quad injuries. Uh, so depending on what happens with one or both of them, it, it's really hard to project the target share split between Galladay and those two and Ingram when it's this early in the week. Again, we do record on Monday nights, so awaiting to hear a lot of these injury updates. If all three are healthy, how would you rank them in PPR? Ooh. Oh man, I don't know. They're such a toss up. I mean, they even have like they have an interim offensive coordinator too. It's like I mean, can't be worse than Jason Garrett, right? <laughs> no, no, it can't, but like it it like it's there's really not much to base an assumption off of. All right, you want and me to go first? They're up against a good defense. Yeah, go first, seriously. Okay. I, I think if all three are active in PPR formats, I think Tony still goes back to the slot role, even though we've seen Shepard there prior. Um, so I would rank them Tony, then Galladay, then Shepard. In terms of targets? In terms of PPR projections. PPR projections. Okay, I see. So I would probably agree with that. Um. It's just such a toss-up. I think it's murky between Galladay and Shepard for me, but I think Tony has established himself as you know one of Jones's favorite oh, targets. Oh, he for sure did. But what he keeps getting injured, so it's hard to tell right. what his project. Like he'll he'll start the game, he'll get like four targets, and then he'll be out for the rest of the game. And it's kind of <laughs> hard to tell. Like you know, he was he was seeing double-digit targets for when he plays a full game. Yeah, and then it's I don't know. It's just hard to see where that you know where the the, the ranking sort of is without him actually playing. Right. Uh, assuming he plays a full game, I would take Tony over the other two this week. Um, all right, let's move on to Miami then. Uh, of course, you're starting Waddle. I think you're starting him even if Fuller and or Devontae Parker are back. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot more to say here. I think Tua's a fine streamer depending on uh, your other quarterback options in your league, depending on who's rostered. Uh, a little bit concerning for Mike Kosecki, just because we haven't seen those big games recently. He was getting a ton of targets earlier in the year, but now it seems like he's fallen back to earth. Uh, he's still, you know, in that high end tight end two territory because we know that he's an athletic talent, can bust those big yards after the catch plays. But right now it's Waddle and Gaskin, I think. Yeah, really, I can't think. I mean, I. I probably still consider starting Gesicki anyways just for the upside I mean in that area after the you know top five tight ends he's he's a pretty good bet 
Yeah. Um, and then in terms of deeper leagues, uh, I don't know that you need to pick up Philip Lindsay in most leagues, but it is worth noting that he saw 12 carries in his first game as a Dolphin compared to 16 for Gaskin. So I do think that he would be the guy if Gaskin were to miss time with Malcolm Brown already out. Uh, it feels like he's already uh, leapfrogged uh, Salvin Ahmed on the depth chart. So just a note for deeper leagues again. Um, I This is another toss-up here, but Miami's been playing really well at home, and I'm going to take uh, the Dolphins at home. I'm going to take them too because their defense has been on fire. Yeah, their defense has been bad on the road, but at home their defense has been lights out. Um, they've been blitzing a lot. We know that Jones is struggling behind that Giants offensive line. So, yeah, Los is in agreement here as well. Let's move on to uh, another NFC East team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and then they played the New York Jets this week. Bit of a down game uh, for the Eagles. Uh, I don't know that I can fully take credit for that call last week. It just felt like with Garrett gone, that Giants offense was going to come to life a little bit uh, out of sheer relief, but the defense really surprised me. I didn't expect the Eagles to score so few points. Uh, you know, they were trying to run the ball at times and then they went really pass heavy at times. I'm not sure that this offense has an identity right now. Um, of course, it doesn't help that Miles Sanders sprained his ankle. He came back in the game, but didn't look as effective this one's a this is a tough one. I, I think you're starting Devontae Smith as a flex, and then Miles Sanders is a back end RB two without knowing how healthy he is. Yeah, they've been really inconsistent. Like, I, I, I if if I needed to rely on any Eagles starters, I would be really upset. I, I'm glad I don't have to. I have Devonta Smith in one of my leagues, and like I can throw him in there on a flex, and if I don't have better, better options, but. You know, man, like I just like like if I drafted like Miles Sanders or something, I'd be pretty upset. <laughs> like oh, I well, just wouldn't know what to do. I mean, if you listen to the show, Los and I both said not to draft Miles Sanders. At I don't his listen ADP. to the show. I've never listened to it before in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. You just zone out while we talk, and then. But I uh, mean, it could have happened where Miles Sanders ended up as like a back end RB two, and you had no choice but to pick him. Like I could see that. I could see that of happening in a draft. I mean, I think easily. you would have had choices of wide receivers, tight ends in that range. Uh, you know, he he was going, I think, ahead of guys like Hawkinson and and uh, Mark Andrews, or at least yeah, in but that same you range. Take a risk on Hawkinson over Sanders, yeah. Really, <laughs> I don't know if I would have done that. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, one other thing to note here: Dallas Goddard. Uh, I tweeted out earlier today that I actually benched Goddard for Tony Jones in a flex position for one league and technically worked out tony jones got like two point something points and dallas goddard had one so uh i mean he's a boom bust tight end too right now we really thought maybe he would be integrated more into this offense get more target volume with zach Ertz traded away but that has not seemed to be the case so far so again you know still has that upside but certainly can't trust him right now on the jets side uh tevin coleman is back to life, uh, led, the, led the backfield in touches. And then Elijah Moore continues to produce, uh, even though it wasn't a huge game. Uh, for me right now, it's just Moore and Tevin Coleman. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. There's The Jets have nothing really, anything else going for them. I don't think anyone would really argue with that. <laughs> even like, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't play any of them if I had the choice. 
Yeah, I, I mean, really more DFS plays. We know that the Eagles are susceptible against the run. So, you know, Coleman, a back-end flex, uh, really touchdown dependent. We did see Walter steal that touchdown, though, so that's never good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Jets showed some signs of life against Houston. But all in all, I'm still going to take the Eagles on the road here. I will, too, but, like, I don't I, – I feel dirty picking them. Yeah, not two two green teams. Uh, yeah. They're both like I feel like I don't know. I can just see like the Eagles like playing down to the Jets and then losing. Yeah, the the Eagles are another team that have been very up and down this year. But uh, I, again, not so, not a game I would take for the survival. Excuse me, survival pools. Uh, but I will take the Eagles and Los concurs as well. This next one here, the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. Uh, starting, you know, Taylor Pittman as a wide receiver three. Wentz is a high-end QB two with upside. Uh, not sure there's a whole lot else to say. No, they're just going to run the ball a thousand times. Yeah, and really, you know, we wonder uh, maybe the outcome would have been different if they had actually tried running a little bit more against Tampa. We know that the Bucks are really good run defense, but we saw Jonathan Taylor do pretty well when they actually handed him the ball late in the game. Uh, I would expect them to get back to their formula from the last few games and just absolutely pound it against Houston. Of course, you were never benching Taylor, so it's not like anyone needed to be told that, but certainly uh, a great matchup for him. And then on the other side here, uh, just very, very icky. I, I don't know. I, I guess in theory, Cooks is still a back-end flex. Uh, you know, he, he did well against the Jets. We know the Colts' secondary can be, can be susceptible, but you certainly don't feel super great playing him. Somebody needs to score those garbage time points. I, I mean, you're not wrong. It just uh, takes some cojones to be putting him into the starting lineup based on some of his awful stinkers the last few games. And really, just, you know, three catches for 45 yards against the Jets. That touchdown really saved him. So, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Cooks back and flex, uh, Viacon Dios. I'm taking the Colts. Yep. Los concurs as well. And that'll bring us to the Sunday mid afternoon slate. The first game up here, Washington at the Las Vegas Raiders. Of course, uh, Washington is playing tonight right now. As we speak, they just forced a fumble on, I think it was Alex Collins. Um, it was, that was Collins. It was a terrible fumble. Yeah, it looked like it. It was like a it got it was, punched it was like a ten punch ten like, yards downfield. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean we'll see about this one. I think Heineke is a, a viable streamer depending on your options. Uh, Gibson left the game earlier with an injury, but he is back, so it doesn't seem like it's anything major. Uh, he just caught a screen pass, so good to see him more involved as a receiver as well. You're starting him, Terry McLaurin. And then we'll see tonight how Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas do. It sounds like the, they're both on snap counts tonight in their first games back from injury. So, still TBD. Yeah, it's tough to say because I'm facing the other way of the TV, so I can't really see it. It's yeah. what happens when I have to talk into a microphone. <laughs> uh, I know I saw Logan Thomas catch one pass. All right, He's well. done something. <laughs> that's uh that's something worth noting uh you know i'll, I'll check the box score real quick how about I'm, that I'm, I'm looking he has right now four targets two receptions for 19 yards yeah that's, that's, pretty, that's, pretty that's good. i think given you know the injuries to dan arnold and then you know we're seeing kyle pitts really having trouble shedding that coverage with ridley out i think 
it's not crazy to have Thomas as a back-end tight end one if he's playing, you know, close to 100% of the snaps next week in his second game back. Yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I wouldn't be upset if I had to play him. I think that's a good way to put it. I'm not super <laughs> excited, but I think he'll, he'll he's one of those unsexy names that'll produce, I think. Yeah, you're not going to get a goose egg. You'll, you'll get something from him, you know? Yep. Uh, on the other side here, uh, we've already seen Tyler Lockett bust some big plays. I would expect uh, the same for Renfro and potentially Deshaun Jackson. Uh, he's a boomer bust. Back end wide receiver three who is in play against this Washington secondary. Certainly like Carr, and I think uh, Josh Jacobs will be fine as well. The only thing to watch here is Darren Waller with that knee sprain. Again, it's an IT band sprain, not an MCL sprain. I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you the, the specifics, but supposedly it is less serious. So he has a shot to play, especially with 10 days to recover since the Raiders played on Thanksgiving. So monitor his situation, and if he's out, we've seen that Foster Moreau can get a ton of target volume in his stead, so he could be in play uh, if Waller's out this week. Yeah, I don't have much to say besides, I guess Josh Jacobs is kind of a Jekyll and Hyde kind of player this year. I don't think you're going to get what you got last week out of him. No, but I also think that, you know, Washington has been playing better in recent weeks, but their defense is still one to target. Uh, I, I'm certainly not shying away from playing him. Oh, definitely play him. Just don't don't think you're going to get like, what What was it, like 18 or 19 fantasy points out of him? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, that wouldn't shock me. I think he could have another nice game, close to 100 yards, maybe a touchdown. Um, I mean, would you play him or let's say Chuba Hubbard this week? Hmm. Uh, you know what? Sorry, I would I'm play sorry. Him. Actually, Carolina's on bye. Sorry, I meant, uh, I meant Alexander Madison. I would for sure play Madison over him. Okay, against Detroit? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I mean, Madison, every, in every game he started, he scored, he's run for over 100 yards. Okay. Uh, what about Josh Jacobs versus Jamal Williams on the other side of that game? I would definitely play Josh Jacobs over Jamal Williams. Okay. Yeah, I think he's in that mid-range RB2 um, you know, slot. I could see him like scoring like 12 points. I think that's just sort of what you've got to expect out of him. Yeah, and I honestly I think that's fine for yeah. that that range, um. But he does have upside, right? Yeah, because they can. I mean, he he is a bit like they run him at the goal line. Like he can have two touchdowns in a game, and it doesn't surprise me. Or he can have none. It's just he can have six sixty yards and no touchdowns, like hundred yards and two. It's he's <laughs> he's not consistent. Yeah, I, I think it is good, though, that he's getting a little bit more involved as a receiver. Um, that's always a good thing. But, uh, again, we'll see. I do think the Raiders are going to win this game just because they're at home. Uh, both of these teams, Washington and Las Vegas, have been very up and down. Both have struggled. Um, so, really, it's a coin flip, but I'm going to take the home team. Yeah, and on that, too, it seems like they're using Kenyon Drake less at the goal line and using him more recently because there was that chunk of, of a few games mid-season where it seemed like Drake was coming in and like he, he would do all the work uh, or Jacobs would do all the work and then he would punch it in and get like I think he had two touchdowns in one game but in like five carries yeah Drake had a couple big performances and then he's been quiet since then well it's because they stopped using him at the goal line yeah uh but all right who are you taking I'm gonna take Las Vegas 
All right, Salos is taking Vegas as well here. Uh, next game, Jacksonville at the Rams. It sounds like LaVisca Chenault uh, could be viable as a flex here. He was used a ton in the flex with Jamal Agnew out, saw nine targets. Um, and then James Robinson, of course, you're starting. And maybe James O'Shaughnessy. Uh, that's a really risky one. But if you're desperate at tight end, you know, he stepped up after Dan Arnold left the game. It sounds like Arnold is going to be done for the year or at least for the majority of the fantasy season with his MCL sprain. Um, and O'Shaughnessy is going to see that target share. We know that Lawrence likes targeting his tight end here. Yeah, that, that's really too bad with Dan Arnold too because like he was sort of becoming like this year's like tight end pickup that you got for free and, you know, like it's producing pretty good numbers. Yeah, like uh, Logan Thomas from last year, right? Exactly. Just getting yeah. a ton of target volume because they don't really have anything at wide receiver. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's it's almost like that next man up mentality, right? And you're filling in for Los, and then O'Shaughnessy's filling in right. for Dan Arnold. And Yeah, and, he's, and, and I guess you still have the upside of the fact that you have rookie quarterbacks love to target tight ends. I know somebody loves saying that quote. <laughs> Looks like you're filling in pretty well uh, right now. Um, <laughs> and he did catch a touchdown this past week, and the Rams are susceptible to tight ends here. So I think that's all for the Jacksonville side on the Rams. Just uh, another ugly loss for them. Uh, they really have not done well since adding Von Miller and Odell Beckham. But uh, I do think that you're still starting Cup, of course. You're starting Henderson. And then both Beckham and Jefferson are, uh, you know, touchdown dependent wide receiver threes back in flex. Uh, very boomer bust. But against Jacksonville, I would like to think more boom. Yeah, it really kind of depends on what's going on with Stafford because of, of all those injuries that they're reporting that he had. Like he, he is the. I mean, he's not the team, but like if he fails, the whole team kind of falls apart. And it, I guess that's with every football team. You know, your quarterback, your franchise quarterback. I guess he's a franchise quarterback at this point. I mean, they traded two first round picks for him. I guess, so hopefully, I don't know, it just seems so weird because he's like, ah, he was in Detroit for so long. It's, it's weird to call him the franchise quarterback of the Rams because he was in Detroit for so long. I guess that's where I'm kind of coming from. Right. And, um, and honestly, like, and despite them losing to Green Bay pretty badly, uh, he still did fine in fantasy. So I think you're firing him up here against Jacksonville. Right. But he could be doing better. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in terms of real life, they're definitely struggling on offense. Uh, part of that's the injury to Robert Woods. Uh, can't expect Beckham to just come in and, you know, know the offensive scheme like the back of his hand, but... I feel like a lot of people did, though. Yeah, I mean, I think it was more um, optimism about target share, right? It was right. like, well, Jefferson's still an unproven asset as well, so Beckham has the chance to become that clear number two, but we haven't seen that quite just yet. Uh, let's see. Uh, what What's their fantasy playoff schedule here look like? Seattle in Week 15 at Minnesota in Week 16 at Baltimore in Week 17. So certainly good matchups. Uh, against secondaries that are having issues with Seattle and Minnesota the first two weeks. So I think Stafford's more of a hold right now. Yeah, I don't think I would drop him. And it, the trade deadline's probably passed. So I don't know if you would even be able to trade him anyways. I think yeah. you have to hold him. Yeah, and I know some weeks, uh, you know, their deadlines are week 13 or week 14, the beginning of the fantasy playoffs. So it really depends. But certainly I, w I would not panic on Stafford. We know he's had a couple down games, but the upside's still there, especially if they can get Beckham integrated into that offense here. Um, especially this week though, I think 
at home get right game against the Jags. Obviously, I'm thinking Rams. Oh, for sure. Uh, Los takes the Rams too, and th- this feels like one of those locks where we've seen this week, you know, Buffalo against the Jags, and all of a sudden, you know, they're down six to ten, six to nine. I think it was. I don't think there was a touchdown scored in that game. I don't think so either, actually. So hopefully that doesn't happen here. But we are taking the Rams uh, in a get-right game. Uh, the next one up here, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Just an ugly, ugly showing from the entire Baltimore team. Uh, luckily, their defense was able to eke out a win on Sunday night, but just rough. Uh, that said, I'm going back to Lamar Jackson here. Pittsburgh's defense has looked really bad this year. Uh, Marquise Brown as well. And then if he gets out of concussion protocol, Pat Fryermuth. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm on the other side here. Uh well, you're starting Mark Andrews on uh, Baltimore. Uh, we'll, we'll get to Pittsburgh in a second. I flip-flopped those. I was about to say, uh, I thought I had just blacked out for like a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I got too excited because I'm excited about Pat Fryermuth. You know, he's been, we've been talking about him for a while and he's coming through and he's still, well, I mean, we'll talk about him more on the waiver wire section, but he's still available in a lot of leagues here. And that's insane to me that he's still available. Like he's, I don't know. Has he been, has he been a top 10 quarterback the past, like, or sorry, a top 10 tight end the past, I want to say four games that he's played. Yeah. I mean, he's I been scoring he scored, a ton of touchdowns. I think he scored double digits um, at least three of those games. Yeah. And he's just getting a ton of targets with Juju out, which is what we discussed when Juju first, uh, you know, got placed on IR and yeah, he should be. Uh, I guess is there anything we want to talk about on the Ravens before we get into the the Steelers side here? Uh, nah. <laughs> that game was weird. That Sunday night game. But no. All right. Uh, let's move on to the Steelers side here. Then uh, certainly can't trust Big Ben. He's he looks done. I mean, uh, he just looks awful. Like every everything he does on the field looks like he's moving in slow motion. Like he's in quicksand. Um, and he was never the fastest guy to begin with, but he would, he was resilient. You know, he would have a couple guys draped all over him and still get the ball out somehow. But, uh, that stage has passed. Uh, really it's just check downs galore to Deontay Johnson. Um, if you're, if you're desperate Claypool as a boomer bust wide receiver four, and then of course, uh, Najee Harris, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. So, so I looked it up. So, so Friermuth has had double digit points in PPR. Since week six, so so week six he he had double digits and it was a buy, and then since then he's had only one week where he's had single digit points. Yeah, since Juju's been out, and you know we talked about that the first week. He's been on our waiver wire section forever. Um, go go pick him up if he's still out there somehow. I mean that's top ten tight end material right there. I mean yeah. that that's what you're getting outside of like the elite guys. Yeah, this is this is what we got out of Heath Miller when he was still there, right? Just right. A, a safe PPR, Jason Witten-like blanket, and that's exactly what Pat Farmuth is, a warm blanket for an old Ben Roethlisberger. Oh my god, a blocked kick. I'm sorry. That was a blocked field goal. Oh, wow. This game is bizarre. <laughs> it's, I mean, a, yeah, these primetime games. That. Wow. Wow. That's, I'm sorry to... to no, that's fine. It's yeah. Um, <laughs> or no, that was a blocked extra point, right? It was a blocked extra point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I said field goal. It was an extra point. 
yeah, I mean, I think I took Washington in this game. Um, I stand by it, but it's tied 9-9 to right now at the end of the second, so we'll see. It's a weird 9-9. to it's, it's a very strange... And remember, this is the game last week that I called could be a tie. Oh, man, the guy who blocked it, too, is the one who returned it. Wow. Usually that... That doesn't happen. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's a, he's like a DN, but he, yeah, just out racing everybody. Wow. But yeah, I would, oh, man, I would love it if this game ends in a tie after what I said on the podcast the oh, last, yeah, last so, week. Oh, so yeah, we don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm rooting for a tie right now. <laughs> I love rooting for a tie. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, All right, wait, wait. Where were we? I've, we're Pittsburgh. Yeah. Where I think, we're not I think we're good. I'm going to take... Baltimore on the road. I, th- sure. This is a, a divisional game, so again, uh, not one I'm going to put in a survival pool, especially how bad the Ravens looked on, on Sunday night, but yeah, I'm going to take Baltimore. I will also take Baltimore. As will Los. Uh, not a whole lot of variety in this one, but I'm, I'm glad I switched my pick to New Orleans, so at least we have something uh, to set us aside. Um, Alright, San Francisco at Seattle is the next game. Uh, the Niners uh, starting to play pretty well here. Uh, unfortunately, Debo Samuel sounds like he's going to miss a week or two with that groin injury. But outside of that, you know, you're starting Mitchell, you're starting Ayuk, and you're starting George Kittle. Uh, yeah, it's it's too bad for Debo because he's been, I don't know, I feel like he's been uh, the the new Corderell Patterson. Yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly what he's been. Um, unfortunately, you know, he does have that history of soft tissue injuries, so hopefully they don't rush him back. Uh, it does sound like it was a low-grade uh, groin strain. He was smiling, sitting on the sidelines, talking after the game, so all good signs for him. Uh, on the Seattle side here, we'll see uh, how everything goes tonight, how it shakes out so far. Alex Collins has five carries with that fumble uh, to just one for DJ Dallas. Um, no targets for either of the running backs yet, so we'll see how this workload split um, ends the night. But with Travis Homer and Rashad Penny both uh, nursing injuries, it sounds like it's going to be Collins and Dallas for the foreseeable future. I don't know that you can trust either of them. Uh, really, I mean, it's that, that, that's assuming that Collins doesn't get thrown in the doghouse after that embarrassing fumble. Yeah, I think he just got a carry, right? I think that was him. I don't know. I like I said, I'm I told you I'm facing the other way. Yeah. You have well, you have a better view this time. Either way, um I think it's just Lockett and Metcalf and maybe Everett, depending on uh, if you trust that touchdown dependent tight end to production here. Um I I don't know that you can trust Russ quite just yet. Especially against the Niners defense that's starting to play a little bit better now. I mean, he definitely came back too too fast. Like Everyone was saying, like, oh, man, he recovered so quick. It's like, do you think he maybe should have stayed out a couple more weeks? Yeah, Let maybe. Heal up a little better? Yeah, but uh, who knows? This might be the last stretch of games. We see uh, Russ in a Seahawks uniform, something to watch for in the offseason. I think he's still a back-end QB1 in this matchup, but it's it's tough. I mean, he has he has the ability to put up these stinkers, especially in these divisional matchups. Now, they are at home. This week, uh, playing against San Francisco. All that said, I just I don't have faith in Russell Wilson right now. Um, I have faith in Elijah Mitchell and the San Francisco run offense against a Seahawks defense that's very much far removed from the Legion of Boom days. And I'm going to take the road team, the Niners here. Uh, although this is another one where you know divisional matchup, 
I, I'm not super confident in, but I will take San Francisco. If the Seahawks were playing better in this game right now, I would, I would consider taking them potentially, but I, I just, I just don't think I can with Russ not playing well at all, and then not having a run game, or at least a, a competent running back. Yeah, and uh, Los agrees. He put in a note here for us. He says San Francisco on the rise. Watch out playoffs. So they're all finally healthy. Well, I guess outside of Debo, right? Um. But yeah, I mean, the secondary seems to be holding up a little bit better. They just had a ton of huge plays allowed early in the year, as well as some huge pass interference penalties. Uh, they seem to be settling down a little bit on the back end. So that's what gives me confidence. Seems like we're in agreement here. So let's go to the Sunday night football matchup. Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of divisional games this week. And this is going to be another one that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, again, we're seeing a ton of Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams had a little bit of a scare early on. I think it was the first or second play um, of that Chargers game where uh, Melvin Gordon went down with, I, get, I think it was a hip injury, uh, but luckily it did not sound serious. He was able to come back um, 17 carries to Javante Williams, 14. Of course, Williams was used a lot more as a receiver in this one. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough, right? Uh, you just wish it was one or two of these guys because this Broncos run game has been efficient, but it's been both, and they're both touchdown-dependent flexes right now. Yeah, but I, st- I, I still think they're high-end flexes. Like, if, if I was rostering one of them, I think I would play them, especially against Kansas City. Yeah, I, I do think this could be a high-scoring game. We saw the Chiefs' offense struggle against Dallas before the bye, but they are starting to get on track, especially coming off the bye with time to prep for this one. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a shootout. Uh, Unfortunately, just targets spread all around. Nobody with more than four targets against the Chargers here. Um, Even in a great matchup, just four targets for Fant. We're seeing Patrick, Judy, and Sutton all got three targets. Just a gross situation for fantasy. Of course, you know, they pulled out the win, so good to spread it around here. They extended Patrick, and they extended Sutton. But, yeah, it's it's the running backs, and I don't know that you can feel confident playing any other Bronco, especially with Bridgewater uh, playing through that shin injury, I think it is right now. Uh, he is expected to play in this game, but he might not be 100%. Yeah, I mean, I... I agree with you. Like I said, I think the only two, the only players that I would play are the two running backs as a flex. All right. Uh, This is another one that I could see going either way, but it is hard to bet against the Chiefs at home in Arrowhead in primetime. I have Kansas City down, but I really want to pick Denver. We talked about this earlier a little bit too. You know, to change it up, I'm going to pick Denver. Okay. All right. I'm doing it. Big balls. It Let's doesn't see matter it. for me because I don't. I'm not. I don't have a running tally. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, this is it, right? This is your. This is, it. This this is my breaker, make or break for the year. Like, yeah. We'll just break break it down to a percentage, and this is it. Well, this will this will be the the tiebreaker between you and Los because I think the rest of your picks are all the same, but we also have New Orleans and Dallas, uh, slightly different. So this will be your. You can triumph over Los with this pick. We will see. Um, All right, Monday Night Football, another game that should be a close divisional game, uh, very fun to watch, although this one might be not so fun with a lot of 
defensive back and forth. Uh, New England at Buffalo. The Patriots are red hot right now. Um, there's legitimately been talks of a potential Brady versus Belichick Super Bowl if they can make it there. I still don't have a ton of faith in Mac Jones against this Buffalo offense. I, I do think that he's been playing exceptionally well for a rookie, but he's still going to struggle here against the Bills defense that on paper is still pretty good, even though they've struggled in recent weeks. I, oh, they looked I, pretty good last week. Right, but I'm saying, you know, against the Colts two weeks ago, that upset, uh, obviously against Trevor Simeon, you know, most defenses are going to look pretty solid, I think. Um, but yeah, it really, I, I don't know that you can trust Kendrick Bourne. I know he's shown that chemistry uh, with Mac Jones, but he's been pretty touchdown reliant in terms of fantasy production. The run game, you know, it's that Belichick uh, split, right? We were seeing a ton of Harris Stevenson and a little bit of Brandon Bolden as well mixed in. Hard to trust any of them. It's more than just a back-end flex play. Really touchdown dependent, especially against a tough Buffalo defense. I mean, you're absolutely right about the running backs. It's, it's, it's very much so old-school Belichick. You can't. You're rolling the dice on the running back. And Mac Jones is probably going to be a career better quarterback in real life than he is in fantasy. Like he, he'll probably end up on the team for a long time, but also be like, not, I don't know. I can't see him ever being a top 12 quarterback in a, in a full season, but he'll be good enough to remain their starter for a long time. Yeah. I think he could get there, but just not while the defense is as good, right? Because right. you know, they'll ru- they'll rely on the run game. If they have some injuries on defense, stuff like that, you know, they'll go to the pass a little bit more. I don't know that I trust a single Patriots player in fantasy this week. Right. And they they also have a really good offensive line. Yeah, I just it's just it's not that the team is bad, it's that there's just it could be anybody. Yeah, at the end of this day, it would not shock me if the two highest fantasy scorers in this game are the New England defense and the Buffalo defense. Let's put it that way. Um on the other side here though, uh, certainly you can't bench Josh Allen. Um I don't know if I agree with the Buffalo defense, but the New England defense maybe. I think Jones is still a rookie and he, he makes enough mistakes where he'll he'll force a turnover and they'll force a turnover or two on Jones. I, I know the offensive line's been good, um, but they do have some pass rushers who can get home here. Uh but the same goes for New England, right? Matt Judon's been on fire, uh Josh Allen has struggled under pressure. We'll see if they can make the necessary adjustments here. Uh, again, you're certainly not benching Josh Allen, but this could be a little bit more of a quiet game after that spanking of the Saints on on primetime Thursday night. Um, and then really the run game, man, it, it's so tough because we're just seeing another messy committee here, right? You can't trust any of the Bills running backs. Well, yeah, you, you can't trust the running backs, but you, you don't think that your boy Beasley is going to have a decent game? You know how Belichick likes to take away their best player. I do think he'll be good in, in um, PPR. Um, and, and it's worth noting that Devils, excuse me, Devin Singletary uh, led the backfield in carries with Zach Moss, a healthy scratch here. But Breda saw one extra target. But again, just no consistency here. Really, Josh Allen uh, is the intersection of all the fantasy goodness on this offense. And yeah, I, I do like Beasley as a flex in PPR, right? But he's just shown to be inconsistent, partially due to that rib injury the last few weeks. Um, 
but yeah, I, again, if I had to pick, I, I'm still leaning Beasley over Sanders. Uh, what do you think about Dawson Knox, though? I like Knox. Well, real quick, first, how, how much do you think Belichick is going to take away Diggs? How would you rank Diggs, Beasley, and Sanders in PPR for this week? For this week? Uh, that's tough. So I don't think... I think Diggs is going to be touchdown dependent. If if you if you feel like he can score a touchdown, then you're going to play him. But like I, I view him this week as a wide receiver too at best, like a low end. Uh, but to answer your question, I guess you said wait, you said Diggs, Beasley, or Sanders. Sanders. I th- I honestly I think it's it's Beasley, Diggs, Sanders. I I don't hate it. That's what I was going to say. Um, I, I do think that Belichick's going to double digs. So, you know, they're not going to let him beat him. And I do think we're going to see a lot of dump offs to Cole Beasley with Allen under pressure here. Honestly, what, what I could definitely see happening is none of those three players get a touchdown and Gabe Davis ends up with like two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that wouldn't shock me either. Um, for me, I, I, I think the stat lines that we'll see are going to be something like. Ooh, let's see. Diggs, like, four catches for, like, 50 yards, something like that. I can um, see that. Beasley with, like, seven catches for 70 yards. And then Sanders, maybe, like, four catches for 30 yards. Yeah, you. I, I like that. I think you're being a little generous about the amount of yards Beasley will end up getting. I do think he'll get seven catches, somewhere around there. I think that's very possible. All right. But I feel like there are going to be a lot of those catches where it's like he catches it and they tackle him immediately. Where, yeah. And he ends up with like four yards. I can see that. Um, but either way, it's... Man, th- this is really going to be like the stamp on the season for these two teams, right? They're both fighting to win this division. This is going to reverberate across the AFC East as well as the AFC Conference in general. And I, I could see Belichick pulling it off. I just think... Again, Mac Jones is still a rookie despite how well he's played. They are in Buffalo. I do think that is a tiebreaker for me, and I'm going to go with the Bills at home. Uh, I want to pick New England, but I'm going to pick the Bills. Yeah, Los said uh, he's taking Buffalo as well, but was hoping that I had New England here to try and get a leg up on me. We'll see what happens if all three of us are right or all three of us are wrong. And... uh yeah, that'll lead us into uh, the bye weeks here. Uh, we got four teams on bye. So with Cleveland, you're going to be missing Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, and Austin Hooper this week. With Green Bay, we're missing Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Devontae Adams, and Robert Tunyon. Tennessee, we're without Ryan Tannehill, Dante Foreman, Dontrell Hilliard, A.J. Brown, who is on IR, of course. And then finally, Carolina with Cam Newton slash Sam Darnold. Christian McCaffrey, who has been placed on IR for the year. So more like Chuba Hubbard and Amir Abdullah. And then D.J. Moore and Robbie Anderson. Uh, COVID news. Uh, Mike McCarthy and other Dallas coaches, including their Offensive line and assistant offensive line coaches have COVID. Uh, Mung seems to think this is going to be a big issue on Thursday. Potentially. I don't think it is, but, you know, 
another, I, I guess, another news with them. Amari Cooper should be good enough to play, um, but we will see. We'll continue looking at the news. All right, moving on to the non-COVID injury news here, starting with the quarterbacks. We've got Kyler Murray with that ankle sprain. He is probable. Uh, he'd begun practicing prior to the Cardinals' bye, and it is likely that he's probably healed after an additional two weeks here to rest up. So we do expect that Murray will return this week against Chicago. Speaking of Chicago, we've got Justin Fields with the fractured ribs, who is doubtful right now. Still on the men, does have a chance to play this week, but it sounds unlikely as of right now. Monitor the status on both of these quarterbacks just in case. And then finally, worth noting, Teddy Bridgewater has that shin contusion. Uh, he is probable. He was in and out of that win against the Chargers with this injury, but barring a setback, it sounds like that he will be expected to play this week. Again, just check his status over the next few days. Uh, on to running backs. First up, we have Dalvin Cook. Uh, with a dislocated shoulder. They're saying he's out two to three weeks. Uh, the silver lining here is that Cook avoided a pectoral injury that would have ended his season, but the shoulder dislocation is still expected to keep him out you know, two, three weeks. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, ankle sprain, out for the season. Even though McCaffrey was able to return to the loss versus Miami in the second half, uh, Carolina announced on Monday that McCaffrey is done for the year. He's sadly droppable in all redraft formats. Uh, DeAndre uh, Swift, shoulder sprain, he's questionable. Uh, early reports are just that Swift's injury is not too serious, uh, and he has 10 days to recover uh, with Detroit having played on Thursday. Monitors practice status later this week. Uh, Alvin Kamara, MCL sprain, and Mark Ingram, knee injury, both probable. It's a good sign that Kamara and Ingram are both practicing on Sunday and both are likely to be ready for Thursday night. Check on their status over the next few days just in case, but they should be good to go. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, bone bruise, probable. Elliott has ceded more than the normal amount of snaps to Pollard, but is still expected to play through this injury. But he's more of an RB2 for the time being. Hopefully Elliott can get to 100% by the fantasy playoffs. Uh, Rashad Penny, hamstring, and Travis Homer, calf, both doubtful. Neither were worth starting in fantasy anyway, uh, but we'll see tonight how Seattle splits the backfield touches between Collins and Dallas. Penny and Homer out again, cons consolidate the 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 touches to them. Uh, Chase Edmonds, high ankle sprain on IR. Edmonds is eligible to return in week 14, but he's a still uh, he's a sell candidate. James Conner has been playing well enough that he could remain the lead back even once Edmonds returns. Uh, Michael Carter, high ankle sprain on IR. Uh, he's el eligible to return in week 15. And at the wide receiver position, of course, we have Debo Samuel with that groin strain. He is doubtful likely out for at least one to two weeks. The early reports are that he's going to need to recover, but that it's nothing too serious. But even with the low-grade strain, there is some risk of aggravation if Samuel returns too soon, uh, especially considering his history of soft tissue injuries. Uh, we've seen another Samuel, Curtis Samuel, uh, re-injure the groin earlier this year and cause a longer absence, and he's finally back. So we'll see what the Niners choose to do here. Probably best to err on the side of caution here, and I would assume that Samuel's going to be out for at least two weeks here. C.D. Lamb with a concussion, he is probable. Uh, was practicing already last week, but unable to clear concussion protocol with just four days between the injury and then the Thanksgiving game. Lamb is likely back this week, uh, barring any more COVID news out of Dallas. Antonio Brown with the ankle injury. 
He's questionable. It was reported a couple days ago that the initial diagnosis on Brown was actually six weeks, uh, which would be this week. We'll see if he's able to start practicing over the next few days. Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Toney, both of them have quad strains and are questionable. A lot's up in the air with the target share for the Giants wide receivers and Evan Ingram, depending on whether one or both of Shepard and Tony are able to return this week. Monitor their practice participation. Corey Davis with a groin strain, he's questionable. Uh, hopefully this is what Samuel avoided, a higher grade groin strain. Check on Davis's practice status later this week. DeAndre Hopkins with a hamstring strain, he is probable, was starting to get some work prior to Arizona's bye. He is expected to return along with Murray this week, but just in case, monitor his practice participation. Allen Robinson with a hamstring strain as well, he is questionable. We'll see if Robinson is able to return this week with 10 days to recover after Chicago played on Thanksgiving. Check his practice status over the next few days. Will Fuller with a broken finger and Devontae Parker with a hamstring strain, both on IR. Both of the Miami wide receivers are eligible to return, but we'll see if either of them can start practicing at all this week. Julio Jones with a hamstring injury on IR is eligible to return in week 14. And then A.J. Brown with a chest injury on IR is eligible to return in week 16. Brown should be stashed if at all possible, but without knowing if he's going to return by the end of the fantasy playoffs or if he's going to be 100%, he is not a must-hold in shallower leagues if you need the bench spot, don't have an IR spot, or just need the wins now and need a, a warm body to plug into that starting lineup. Next, we have tight ends. Uh, first up is Darren Waller with a knee sprain. He's questionable. Uh, it was reportedly an IT band sprain, not an MCL sprain. So the Raiders are hopeful that uh, with 10 days since their last game that he'll be able to play. Uh, check his practice status later this week. Uh, Dan Arnold, MCL sprain, likely done for the season. Arnold was becoming a reliable tight end one in PPR scoring given his target volume. Sadly, he was placed on IR and is droppable in all redraft formats. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, concussion, questionable. Uh, players advance through uh, concussions at their own pace, so monitor his practice participation this week. Uh, hopefully, he'll get at least limited practice in uh, by midweek, and hopefully he plays. All right, that brings us to our waiver wire ads for this week. At quarterback, we've got Derek Carr. Washington does allow the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks and has given up multiple passing touchdowns in seven of their 10 games. Even without rugs, Carr has plenty of upside in this plus matchup as we saw a competent Raiders passing offense against Dallas on Thanksgiving. Teddy Bridgewater, Kansas City's defense has been playing better as of late, but the Chiefs offense has been getting hot as well. If they manage to make this a high scoring affair, there's upside here for Bridgewater in a potential shootout scenario, as long as his shin is healthy enough for him to play. Tua Tango-Vailoa, Miami sports the third highest pass rate in the league through 12 weeks, although they're more run-heavy in the red zone. The touchdowns haven't been there for Tua, but he's been playing well and has a fairly safe floor, even if the ceiling may not be there in fantasy. Uh, next, we have running backs. Uh, we'll start with Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, even after a solid showing versus Houston two weeks ago, it was difficult to decipher Tennessee's backfield uh, sans Henry. However, after a huge game versus New England despite the loss, Hilliard looks poised to solidify his position and as the lead back in Tennessee. He's still available in 
far less than 50% of leagues and should be a priority add this week. Uh, Chuba Hubbard and Amir Abdullah uh, with McCaffrey at now out for the year. Uh, Hubbard would be a popular add this week, but Abdullah is also worth a look, particularly in deeper leagues. He saw some passing down usage alongside Hubbard when McCaffrey missed time earlier in the season and could be a PPR flex depending on game flow. Alexander Madison and Kane Nwangbu. As with Hubbard, Madison is sure to be a popular add in leagues where he's available. Still, Kane Nwangbu is worth a look in deeper leagues, much like Abdullah. He's a dynamic runner, runner as we've seen uh, by his two kickoff return touchdowns this year, and could be a boomer bust flex if Minnesota splits the work a bit more between Madison and Nwangwu while Cook is out. Jamal Williams. Swift seems 50-50 to play this week, and Williams could be a benefactory if he were to miss time. He'd have a great matchup this week versus a Minnesota defense that can't seem to stop the run and is 11th in fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs. Uh, Devonta Freeman. Even with Latavius Murray back, Freeman was the 1A in Baltimore's backfield. He's a back-end RB2 with upside going forward considering his goal line role as well as his pass-catching usage. Boston Scott. We discussed Scott last week, and he saw a lot of usage with Sanders in and out of the loss to the Giants with an ankle injury. Sanders is expected to play through this week, but Scott could, could again see significant usage if Sanders isn't 100%. Tevin Coleman. With Carter out, Coleman led the Jets' backfield in touches with 16 carries and two receptions. Uh, Walter vultured the touchdown, but Coleman is the best option with some flex value for as long as Carter is sidelined. DJ Dallas and Alex Collins. If you're desperate, Seattle's offense is stuck in neutral. But with Penny dealing with a hamstring injury and Carson out for the year, both Collins and Dallas have some upside. We'll see how the Seahawks uh, divide up the backfield touches tonight versus Washington. Uh, we recommend rostering the elite backups like Pollard, Madison, and Hubbard last week. All three will be priority ads if they are still available. If you don't have the FAAB dollars or waiver priority to get these guys, some other preemptive pickups include Ramondre Stevenson and Daryl Williams. If they were dropped with Harris and CEH back, as well as guys like Sanjay Pirine, Sony Michelle, Devontae Booker, and Khalil Herbert. At wide receiver, uh, we've got Kadarius Toney, who led the team with 12 targets against Tampa Bay two weeks ago before exiting with that quad injury. It's going to be a crowded receiving core if both Toney and Shepard return, but Toney could remain a high-volume option down the stretch with wide receiver three upside or higher if Galladay or Shepard were to miss time again. A.J. Green. Jalen Johnson has been shadowing opposing number one wide receivers for Chicago's defense, but the rest of their secondary is horrendous. With Murray and Hopkins expected back this week, this could leave Green on the outside opposite Hopkins for some big plays. Green is a boomer bust wide receiver three this week with a high ceiling. Rashad Bateman. It was an awful showing for Jackson and the entire Baltimore offense on Sunday night, barely eking out a win over Cleveland. Still, Bateman continues to have upside as the number two wide receiver behind Marquise Brown and would be a matchup wide receiver two if Brown were to miss time. Rondale Moore. Moore and Ertz were the beneficiaries of high target volume versus Seattle last week with Hopkins out and McCoy either eager to check the ball down, but with Murray back, he's still is going to be an iffy flex play, although he does have high upside rest of season considering his yards after a catch ability. LaVisca Chenault. Chenault saw a ton of slot usage with Agnew out due to the hip injury, 
and he could be a leading target going forward in Jacksonville. The production hasn't been there yet, but the upside is there after Chenault saw nine targets against Atlanta. He has the most upside among the Jacksonville wide receivers currently on the roster. Van Jefferson. The Rams' defense hasn't played particularly well, even with the addition of Von Miller, and that's forced them into shootouts. If this continues, Jefferson is a boomer-bust flex option as Stafford's preferred deep target. He's seeing enough target share even with the addition of Odell Beckham to be worth rostering, especially in deeper leagues. Deshaun Jackson. Like Van Jefferson, Jackson is a boomer bust flex and just a wide receiver for this week. However, he does have a great matchup against the Washington secondary that's given up a ton of big plays through the air. We've already seen three catches for 96 yards with, for, for Tyler Lockett tonight. And with Ruggs gone, Jackson is Carr's preferred deep target and they've already shown chemistry. And finally, Kendrick Bourne, who's surprisingly the number 24 wide receiver in PPR scoring on the season. His production has been quiet, and it's been mostly touchdown reliant, but the rapport between him and Mac Jones is evident, having already connected on five touchdowns this year. The Patriots are on bye this week, but looking at their fantasy playoff schedule, Bourne does have favorable matchups against the Colts in Week 15, and the Jaguars in week 17, so he's worth stashing, especially in deeper formats. And now on to tight ends. Uh, first up, we have our good friend, Pat Fryermuth. Uh, we've talked about him for weeks now, and he continues to be an integral piece of this Pittsburgh pass offense with Juju out for the year, but is somehow still rostered in only about 60% of leagues. The Raiders are third in fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends and have given up seven touchdowns to tight ends through 12 weeks. Logan Thomas. Uh, we'll see how Thomas ends up doing tonight versus Seattle, but he has a chance to step back into the number two target role behind McLaurin for Washington and is still available in almost 50% of leagues. Uh, Tyler Conklin. Conklin isn't a consistent option, but he's seen at least three targets in every game this year, which gives him a fair floor in fantasy. There's also the possibility that Minnesota could pass more with Cook's sideline for a couple weeks, which gives Conklin some upside. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy. After Dan Arnold left the game versus Atlanta, O'Shaughnessy caught three passes for 29 yards and a touchdown. With Arnold now on IR, O'Shaughnessy steps into the lead role with Lawrence targeting his tight end often. The Rams are also eighth in fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends this season, so you could do worse. Uh, Foster Moreau. If you're desperate, Waller is questionable with his knee sprain, and we've seen Moreo see a high target volume and, and produce in the game Waller missed earlier this season. He'd be a high-end tight end, too, in PPR with formats ah, in PPR formats with upside if Waller were to miss this game. And for the streaming defenses here, we've got Indianapolis. The Colts lead the league in takeaways, and the Texans are seventh in turnovers given away, which should be a formula for fantasy success this week. Houston's offensive line is also 30th in pass block win rate and just gave up five sacks to the Jets. The Colts are favored by 8.5 points and should have plenty of chances to get after Terod Taylor in this one. Miami. The Giants upset their divisional opponents, the Eagles, but that was the first game since week 5 that they didn't give up multiple sacks to the opposing team. The Dolphins' defense has played far better at home this season than away, and they've recorded multiple sacks and multiple turnovers now in each of their last four games. Minnesota. The Vikings' defense has struggled this year, but Detroit is still a matchup to target, especially if DeAndre Swift is out for this week. 
Minnesota should be able to get to Jared Goff and win a low-scoring matchup against the Lions team that scored the third-fewest points per game this year. And finally, Philadelphia. The Jets pulled out a win over Houston, but still allowed four sacks. Expect multiple sacks from the Eagles this week as they lead the league in pass rush win rate. And even if Corey Davis is back, Zach Wilson is still a rookie quarterback target with these opposing defenses, especially with his knee not yet at 100%. That's going to wrap up this show. Uh, Dan, thank you for filling in. Uh, Anything else you want to say before we sign off here? No, no, not really, actually. Um, It's good to be back, you know? Yeah. I haven't I haven't done one of these all year. Usually I get like one or two. Yeah, they get to hear the sound of your melodious voice. So oh, I know. It's so we believe we believe in that next man up mentality here at the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. And uh, you filled in admirably tonight. I'm sure Los uh, will enjoy listening to this show when he gets a chance. And we're really getting down to it. Just uh, a couple more weeks here until we reach the fantasy playoffs. A lot of important stuff going on, so if you guys have waiver wire questions, uh, trade questions, if your deadline hasn't yet passed, sit start questions, you can reach us on Twitter with more specific responses here. Uh, happy to reply. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Uh, you can find Los at FFA underscore Los. That's L-O-S. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. And, you know, whatever else is out there that, that you use to listen to podcasts. Uh, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming podcast episodes. It's the fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts.